Congregation, I intend to preach a new series from the Bible now on King David. So today I hope to deal with 1 Samuel 16, the first 13 verses. Let us read verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So far. The new king. That's the theme for this morning hour. The new king. With the help of the Lord, four angles, four points. In the first place, a rejected king. That is King Saul, right? Rejected. Secondly, a chosen king. Before he was anointed, he was chosen. In the third place, an anointed king. What does that mean, that he was anointed? And the last part, the beauty of the king. David was a handsome, goodly person, and is also a, an example, a type of Christ. The new king, a rejected king, a chosen king, an anointed king, and the beauty of the king. Congregation, young people, children, you know King Saul, don't you? What a man, so tall, a tall man. He was taller than anyone in his tribe and in Israel. And they looked up to him, literally looked up to him. He was a man of authority. And they saw courage in him and strength and sincerity and he was serious. You know, Samuel also had anointed him. And he was also chosen by law. When he was chosen to become king, he was hiding, remember? He was not a proud person or someone who won't be in the foreground and has chosen himself and had thought the world of himself. No, he was meek, nice, wise person. Also, when some Belial men, children of Belial, there's some criminals, some difficult people, did not want to bring presents to him after his choice, and as we despised him, it's, uh, it's, it reads in God's word, and he held his peace. So he was, he was wise. And Samuel actually loved him. And the people liked him. We read in 1 Samuel 10, And they ran and fetched him thence from where he was hiding, and when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord has chosen. It is not like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God, save the king. But they were so excited about having their own king. All the people in the time, all the nations had their own king, and they wanted a king as well, and they got one. But you know, something went wrong. As you remember from 
previous sermons. King Agag from the Amalekites was spared. And Samuel rebuked Saul and said, Saul, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you let him alive? Why did you take so many sheep along? You should have destroyed them because the Amalekites had also bought the people of Israel in the past. So you should have just listened to the Lord as he had commanded you. Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You know, King Saul had sacrificed the Lord. He was not even, even willing to wait for Samuel. He said, I, I, I need to sacrifice. I need to do it for the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord himself. And Samuel is saying, you can sacrifice all the sacrifices of the whole world. But the Lord says, no, you need to obey me. To obey me. That's, that, that's serving me. Not be religious, but obedient. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken is better than the fat of rams. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with thee. I will depart him, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king of Israel. Was it? Samuel said, you have rejected the Lord. The Lord is rejecting you. Rejecting you. And King Saul almost cried. No, 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 no. So he was holding on to Samuel and he took his jacket or his mantle. And Samuel just walked away and his, the mantle ripped. Do you hear it? The mantle ripped. And Samuel turned about to go away. He laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent. Remember what Samuel said? And Samuel said unto him, The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from you, from thee, this day, and has given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Was it? And nevertheless, Samuel felt so sad. He was, was grieving. He was mourning. He loved King Saul. He has been close to him for so many years. Now the Lord has, has said, I have rejected him. He had a hard time to accept that. Because he felt kind of almost critical of the Lord. Lord, why? why? Do this forgive him. Lord, don't do that to him. Don't do that to us. Let us, let us keep Saul. So he was kind of disagreeing with the Lord. Do you sometimes also disagree? When a son, a daughter, a member, a friend goes the wrong way, 
and that you're angry with God and that you can't accept it. That's how our chapter starts, right? And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? So Samuel had to stop whining, had to stop complaining, had to stop grieving, because the Lord had spoken. And of course, that is especially regarding his Kingship. That is not about his salvation, but his kingship. So Samuel's mourning, he was overwhelmed with this. And the Lord said, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? So for so many years he was his counselor and a friend, and he was close. And now this, Samuel wept. God had given this King Saul reluctantly, I would say, because the people wanted a king, so the Lord said, okay, you will have a king. And yet, it was hard. So what a warning here, that people and even church leaders, kings, anointed by the Lord, close to the church, Samuel, seriously-minded people, respected, humble, wise. We think the world of them, right? Samuel thought, thought the world of him. Well, he had his flaws, saw had his mistakes, and now he had made, made, made a major mistake. But yet, and then you see them leaving and going their own way, and the Lord says, I've rejected you. It's hard. But it, 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 it happens. It happens that people have what we call a temporary faith. Right? It looked great. It looked exactly as if it was in the faith of the Lord. But this, this, this Saul missed something. He was missing the brokenness. He was missing the contrition. He was missing the love in his heart. He was missing grace. He did not have a new heart. It looked great from from the outside. And people thought the world of him. But he was missing God's grace. What does the high and the lofty one say about that? The one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So Psalm is that. Saw it in a nice character in a way. A humble man, wise man, you name it. But deep down, his heart was un- un- unchanged. 
his own heart. So again, a temporary faith brings to the second thought a chosen king. So the Lord said to Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from the reign of Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So Samuel, you have to fill your horn. You have to anoint someone else. You have to go to Bethlehem, that Bethlehem Ephrata, right? That Bethlehem made the Lord Jesus born, this son of David. He had to go there. Because I have provided me a king. I've provided for myself, the Lord said, a king. Saul was a king for the people. And the Lord said, now, now I want a king for myself, for me. I have provided a king for me. So the Lord did not panic. The Lord did not say, well, now, if Saul disappointed me, so I have to just find a new way of salvation. No, the Lord had provided for himself already a king among the sons of Jesse. But Samuel was fearful. How, how can you do that? If I, if I go to Bethlehem, if I publicly anoint a person there, Saul will hear about it, and he will kill me. He will kill me. Are you sure, Samuel? Will he kill you? Oh, yeah. He will kill me then. So I can't do the Lord. So Sam was resisting. He said, no, I can't go. I can't go. But the Lord said, you have to go. You know what? You tell the people there that you are sacrificing. Take a heifer along and tell them that it is a special sacrificial meal and invite especially Jesse and his sons, give them a special place, and the people will just be fine with that. And they won't ex- suspect anything. So Samuel went there. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer. And say, I come to the sacrifice. And call Jesse to the sacrifice. So Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the people of Bethlehem came towards Samuel and said, but what's happening? Why are you coming here? Because they were afraid. They had heard what Samuel did, right? Before. What did he do? He had a sword and he cut Agag into pieces. Right? As the Lord's command. So they thought, this Samuel... We don't know what's going to happen. Who, who's next? Who, who will be killed by him? So did he come in peace? And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? Or was it the conscience that spoke? I don't know. 
And he said, Oh, peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, prepare yourself, go home, dress up, wash yourself, prepare yourself physically, prepare yourself mentally, and come to the sacrifice. And we will not only sacrifice me to the Lord, the heifer, we also eat from it and have me to eat, and there will be a celebration, a worship service. So they did. And some of those days, there was that meeting with Jesse and his sons. And Sam had in his mind, I have, to, I have to anoint one of those men, one of the sons of Jesse, right? So there he was. It came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliah. Eliab, the oldest son of Jesse, stood there before him. Also a tall man like Saul. And Samuel thought, that's the one. Surely, I'm sure about that. He, there's the looks of this man. Look at his countenance or the height of his stature. It is this right material. I, I just see it. I feel it. Yes, Lord, let me anoint this one. The Lord said, no. Not this one. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. The Lord has a different way of looking at people. You, you, you look at the outward appearance, right? You, you think this is a wonderful, wonderful person. He will do a good job. I just see it. No. The Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Let's, let's talk about that. The Lord said, no, I have refused him. And although he was tall and good to look at, the Lord said, don't make a mistake. Don't go by what you see. There's something you don't see that I see. I see things people don't see. You know, we often make a mistake like that. We meet a person for the first time, and the way they look and dress and their hairdo and their, you name it, you, name it, you really have a suit impression, right? Because of that black suit. Or because of the person looks like a street person. And we, we, we immediately judge, we judge about that hypocrite in his black suit. Or we judge about that street person in their shaggy clothes. We, we just have, have our, our opinion right away. First impression. And it can be so wrong. You know, maybe that person in the black suit is, the, is, is a talented person. Maybe, maybe that person is a God-fearing person. Maybe there is love in his heart. Maybe you make the wrong decision. Maybe you, you, you say, I don't like black suits. 
Or maybe, maybe it's something else, right? That you, that you see this someone as wearing earrings or something. Or nose rings. I'm not in favor of that at all. Not at all. But be careful with judging. Be careful. Because the Lord looketh at the heart, right? The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. I refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And that was the problem with Saul, right? He had no new heart. And that's the problem also with, with Eliah. He had not a new heart. He was missing that. And then we see the next person. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And the Lord said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Samuel pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And the Lord said, No, no, seven times, no. Let me make it somewhat practical for the children, for the young people. You know, the most popular student in your class, everyone loves him, everyone likes him. If the person has no new heart, or the poor situation, He's, the, he's favored by, by everyone. The teachers like him and the kids like him and there has many friends and he has a nice character and it, it, it's, it's the best. But there's no new heart. And the Lord knows that. The Lord sees that. And the person may not suffer, suffer from that. He may, he may like his life and love his life, not realizing that he is a saw. Not realizing that he is an Eliab. Not realizing that he's like Shema or Abinadab, one of those sons of David. Or you can be the most beautiful girl in your class, in your school, or, and they like you, they like your looks, because you are pretty. And it's possible that you are pretty. But that your heart is not changed. Your heart is so ugly, so vile. You don't know yourself, really. But the Lord knows it. And all people think, you know, this is such a precious young person. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. She has a soul for eternity, but she is not saved. You know, compare that to the boy in the class that's bullied by everyone. And nobody likes him. He's a loner. He can't talk. He's short. Or he's obese. 
or he's too tall or too short or whatever it is. He is, he has probably self-esteem. He is low for the self. He feels blending with the wall. He doesn't count. But if he has a new heart, if the Lord has given that new heart, that is a child of the Lord, that means so much. It means everything. And if that's missing, you miss everything. So seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all other things will be added unto you. You need grace. You need a new heart. That's what the Lord is seeing. So don't make that mistake as of, of, of Samuel. Even Samuel, right? Even Samuel, he was found in the same trap again. Surely it is Eliab. It was not Eliab at all. And then seven sons have passed by. And the Lord said, no, 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 seven times. So Samuel is puzzled. How can it be? He had to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. And they all passed by. And none of them was chosen by the Lord. So he brought it up and said, Jesse, are, are these all your sons? No. There's still one left. What? Yeah. Well, I left, left with the sheep. So why, why is she not here? Get, get in. We will not eat it for he's here. So what's happening here? Why did they not invite David? Why was he not there? Why did Jesse not say that this wait until David is here? Because David's father, Jesse, did not think that he will ever be one of them, the king. He, he, he can be. He thought maybe, maybe, maybe one of the seven, but for sure not David. He was not even invited. He was maybe not even on the radar screen of his father. Maybe his father didn't like him. Something like that. It was kind of dysfunctional, right? Because it's, I, I think it was so wrong of Jesse that he did not invite David. But although David was ignored, although David was not esteemed by his own dad, the Lord says, David, this one. See that? So it is possible that you don't have a good relationship with your father, like David. It's possible that your dad kind of don't look, doesn't look at you. You just don't exist for him. It's hard. Fathers, don't do that to your children. Mothers, don't do that. Don't have favorites. And don't have one that doesn't count. This gives him all the same attention. It's detrimental to do something like this. But even if your father and your mother forsake you, what about the Lord being mindful of you? You know, that, 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 that's what counts after all. 
and that is possible, right? Do you remember Joseph? Joseph also sold by his brother. And the Lord made him king in Egypt. And think of this David, right? He was not invited. And the Lord said, I want him and not the other ones. So even sometimes after many years, many years after, it's, it's, it's just possible. Then many years after, the Lord makes it well and turns the tables. Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said, verse 11, are he all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come with her. There's coming. See him coming? They bring him in. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and worth all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. So Samuel came in. Uh, I mean, David came in. And the Lord said, It's him. He had a different type of beauty. He was also handsome. He was also good to look at. But there was that humility. There was that brokenness. There was a different type of person. He had a new heart. He was a child of God, after all. So that's good to know. It's he. And Samuel took the horn and of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. Third thought. He was also anointed. Anointed to be king over Israel. What does that anointing mean? Well, anointing is sometimes translated as smearing. Like you smear butter on the slice of bread or mayonnaise. Smear it. We see it that way in Exodus 29. Unleavened bread and cakes unleavened, tempered with oil and wafers, unleavened, anointed with oil. So Unleavened wafers, wafers, bread, anointed with oil. So oil smeared on it, on the pancake, on the bread. So now not only bread was sometimes anointed, but also people anointed. And anointed with special oil, special oil that was fresh, refreshing, and thin, and evaporate easily, and give you a feeling of something fresh. So that's what he did. He anointed him. He took his horn and, and anointed him 
in the midst of his brethren. So all the friends, all the brothers saw it happening. That Lord had chosen David. Did they realize that it was to be, that he was anointed to be king? I am not sure. Some people wonder if they realize that. But he was anointed. And Jesse knew, right? And Samuel knew. And David knew. Anointed. From catechism classes, you, remember, you must remember what it means to be anointed. In the first place, it means you're chosen, right? So David was chosen to be king. No doubt about that. But also that oil was thin and refreshing and felt kind of cold also indicated the ability. So the Lord would give David the ability to be king. What a blessing. You know, with that spirit, with that blessing, with that anointing, anyone could be king. Like, with the help of the Lord, anyone could be a pastor. Anyone. Any young man. Any older man. Anyone could. If it is with the help of the Lord, then the Lord anoints and the Lord gives opening and the Lord gives his spirit. That's all it counts. Dave was anointed. And that means that also the Lord Jesus anointed that. In fact, what does Christ mean? The name Christ, what does it mean? Anointed. In Hebrew, Messiah. So Messiah is translated in the New Testament as Christ and means anointed, means the smeared one, means the oil was on his head, means I have chosen him, means he can do it. So when the Lord Jesus called Christ, that means that the Lord says, I have chosen him. He is the Savior. I have chosen him. I have chosen him. There is no other Savior. I've chosen him to preach him to the Gentiles, to the whole world. It's him. It's nobody else. There's no other name given among men by whom we must be saved. He is the only one, the unique one. And he can do it. He can save people from their sins. You remember Isaiah 61, don't you? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Upon me? Yes. Because the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And I can do it, the Lord Jesus said. I, I, I can, I'm able to preach good tidings 
he did the gospel. Good tidings to the meek. I can lift their hearts up. I can comfort them. I can preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to, he, to bind up the brokenhearted. And people brokenhearted, outwardly, the widows, the widowers, brokenhearted, but also, and mainly spiritually. And people are brokenhearted people. And is missing the Lord and don't know where to go. But he has sent me to, bro- to bind up the brokenhearted ones and to proclaim liberty to the captives. And people are so in prison, such in, in darkness, they can, can't get out. And the Lord Jesus was anointed to open those doors wide and to open the prison to them that are bound. David was chosen. David was anointed. But you know, there's something strange here. When did he become king? Was he king now? Is David king now? He was anointed by Samuel, so now he could say, I'm the king. No, he was not chosen to be the king yet. It, in fact, took 20 more years before he was king. And the Lord anointed him and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Look at the second part of verse 13. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So he, he received a time period of 20 years to be prepared to become king. So the Lord took his time to teach him, to train him, to become the king of Israel. And actually he was anointed three times. He was anointed, he, by Samuel. He is anointed later on in Jerusalem over Judah. And he is anointed again over whole Israel. The first is, is a private one, a private unction anointing, and two public ones. But this is the private one. And the Lord had chosen him. And the Lord had prepared all that. The Lord had a mind to let that great-grandson, great-great-grandson of Ruth, the Moabites, whose son was Obed, whose son was Jesse, whose son was, what was David. The Lord had that plan. And the Lord... So fulfilled his promises. Anointed him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, but he was not, not king yet. So being prepared like, like Moses, right? Like Moses, he also filled that calling. And yet he had to wait 40 years. And Joseph, as I mentioned, had to wait also many years before his dreams came out. And so this was so that the Lord is teaching someone and says, you know, I have anointed you to become a pastor. 
I have you in mind, you will be someday or an elder or a deacon or something else. But I give you already that Holy Spirit, but it will take a while. Maybe, maybe it takes another five years. Maybe more than ten years. The Lord's mills go slow, right? The know that he is doing. And if there's anything the Lord does not like, it is that people think that they can be king, that they can be pastor, that they can be an elder, that they will do a good job. That's the worst thing. So the Lord just breaks that down so that people begin to feel, I can't do it. I can't be a pastor. I can't be a leader. And often the Lord says, now you are useful material. So that's how it also went with, with David. He was, he was chased over Israel like a partridge. He, he, he suffered from Saul, who became his father-in-law. It was tremendous, the pain and the danger he was in. But the Lord spared him. The Lord fulfilled his promises. He had anointed him, and he would be king at the Lord's time. So that means pray and be patient. Brings to the fourth part. King Saul was a special man. Nice character, humble, no new heart, but also quite an outer appearance, handsome. And Eliab and Samuel and Abinadab and all those seven boys of Jesse were special people to, to look at. And what about David? Well, it says, yet about David, maybe you did not expect that, verse 12. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. So he was also outstanding. He was also handsome. As I indicated, must have been in a different way. And he is a type of Christ. So let me just, the last 10 minutes, spend on the beauty of Christ, as David points to him. Well, Isaiah 42, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up his voice in the to be heard in the street. He, uh, Bruce Reed shall he not break, and a smoking flag shall he not quench. He swings for judgment unto truth. The Lord Jesus is also beautiful, precious, exceeding, more than ever, because he is one who does not cry and lift up his voice in the street. He has that meekness and grace is poured out into his lips. Think of Psalm 45. Maybe you can read Psalm 45 at home today. And 
focus on the beauty of the king. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Lord Jesus, when you see him and he's revealed to your heart, he is so much more precious than any person on earth. Fairer, fair, much fairer than the children of men. Grace poured to his lips and he speaks. There's grace coming out of his lips, out of his mouth. Therefore, God has blessed thee forever, and in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. Thou hatest wickedness. Therefore, for that reason, God thy God has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, more than thy fellows, more than others. Lord Jesus was loving righteousness and truth. He is, in that sense, so beautiful. He is saving people. He is gracious. He is forgiving. David was the youngest, not even invited. Joseph was despised by his brothers. The Lord Jesus is also despised. In, in spite of his exceeding beauty, despised by men, despised by you. Have you despised him? We all despise him. Unless something has changed in heart. Unless someone has made room in your heart for the Lord Jesus who is fairer than the children of men. He is despised, rejected of man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. So when you meet someone in town and you don't want to talk, just look the other way. Just look the other way. Just ignore the person and say, I don't want to talk to you. I don't see you. I have no time for you. And that's our nature. That Lord Jesus preached in this in the services and revealed in the Bible, and you purposely look the other way. That 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 that, that, that that's as people despise him. And yet, when the Lord Holy Spirit comes and draws and brings you unto Him, then you say with the Song of Solomon five ten. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. So much preciousness in him. Because he is the pearl of great price. And we need to hand in all the other pearls. And he needs to become the pearl, our pearl of great price, the Savior. Or think of Philippians 3, Yea, doubtless I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I do count them to be done, that I may win Christ. So then everything else becomes done, and dirt, and manure, and unworthy, uh, 
compared to the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Peter talks about that in 1 Peter 2, 7. And to you, therefore, which believe, if you really believe, he is precious. He is precious. But unto the obedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same is made the head of the corner. So what is so beautiful? Too much to say in a few minutes. But he is beautiful in his love, right? His one-sided love. He begins. He seeks people. He sees them the lost. The lost ones. Beautiful. His faithfulness. He does not give up on his church. He does not let them go. In spite of all the foolishness, like the Apostle Peter, he's holding on to his church. He does not forsake them. He's faithful, ever faithful. What a beautiful thing. But about this power that he is able to draw out the darkness and hold them with his hands and nobody can plug them out of his hands. Is that Jesus? Your friend? You say, friend? That's liberal doctrine, calling Jesus your friend. Well, for a while I thought so too. I didn't like it either. But as you hope to see it tonight, in the Bible, God's people are called the friends of the Lord Jesus. There's a friendship. They have a friend. What if Jesus would be your friend? Your beautiful friend, the precious one, in his faithfulness, in his natures, in his names, in his offices, in his gifts, in his attributes, in so many ways. Have you never seen him? So what has become so beautiful in him? If you profess something, you should be able to tell me what is so beautiful on Jesus. So let us not ignore such salvation. Think about that. That David was not invited in that meeting. But not invited. And so we don't invite Jesus in our hearts. Just don't. And something needs to happen to make room in our hearts for that Jesus so that he also is invited. He was invited in, in, in Cana in Galilee, right? At the wedding. So you received the invitation yourself. But have you come to seek your salvation only in him? To be so ugly and so vile yourself and seek your salvation in him who is fairer than the children of men. Amen.